This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You are listening to Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. Hey, what's going on? It's uh, Metal Shop, sort of, uh, kind of. Where, well, I'm at home right now and... Just kind of staring at some posters on my walls and, and hanging out and, and drinking a kombucha. It's Thursday, and, and on the phone right now, I've got Ian Shelton. He is a, he is a Northwest guy, but he is, I believe, down in, down in L.A. right now. Is that correct? Yep, yep, down in L.A. And uh, he's from the band Regional Justice Center. He's from uh, he's done a ton of projects from here in the Northwest. He's now doing uh, Regional Justice Center, uh, kind of blowing up in the like power violence noise, like harsh hardcore scene and uh he's also like a video producer and director for music videos and and uh small films and whatnot uh he also does a rad podcast uh can you uh mention the name of the podcast again uh the name is i don't care if this ruins my life the longest worst title possible (laughs) but hey man it's a good listen and and uh you know i definitely listen so it's uh it's kind of funny when you talk to someone that you listen to a lot even though you haven't talked in a long time it almost feels like you're just picking up conversation but you're like actually i've just definitely i I think people feel that a lot too because i mean people come up to me or dm me or whatever and we'll talk about things that i said on the podcast (laughs) but when um when you talk for an hour straight i'm sure you relate to this oh yeah uh you don't know what the hell you said Mm -hmm. so you're like oh i said that (laughs) yeah i okay I brought up like obscure references to uh, the, this guy. Oh, you, you know Tom from Axe to Grind. Uh, I brought yeah. up obscure references when I was interviewing him about Indecision. He's like, "Holy dude, you like know this podcast more than I do." I'm like, "Well, I'm a nerd. What, what can I do?" Um, yeah. So first off, man, like uh, you know, obviously the world's kind of f-ky right now. How's it going? What? How are you holding up? Uh, are you kind of just? You're, uh, obviously, we're all kind of doing the stay at home thing. Uh, what have you been up to? How are you staying sane? I've just been existing between home and the practice space. Luckily, I have a, a lockout spot that we aren't locked out of. Like, so I can okay. just go there. I've been going there every day for about four hours. My motivation's been kind of going away a little bit as time's been going on. But like, I'm preparing to record the next Regional Dress Center uh, LP this upcoming week. Yeah. And then uh, basically, like, because I had all the songs written, I was like, I'm going to do a palate cleanser. I'm just going to write a demo for a new band. Oh, wow. So I, like, wrote a demo for a new band, demoed it all out, and then I went to an actual studio and recorded it. All of this has began, and then now, basically, yeah, that's it, just making music. And then um, 
watching stupid shit on Netflix and playing Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so Ian, uh, the other guy from Metal Shop, he sometimes plays Fortnite, but he has the uh, he made the mistake of telling these kids how old he was, and they just clowned oh, him. Oh yeah, they were like, "Ah, you're 31. Ah, ha, 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 you suck." See, I don't play with strangers. I play with just a couple friends. Okay. Uh, actually, all of which still from the Northwest. I like our our gamer group chat is based out of Seattle. Yeah. Nice man. Well, uh, this so this new project. What's uh, what's kind of the vibe? Um, so I used to do a band called Seattle's New Gods, and it's somewhat an extension of that. It's like kind of amphetamine reptile style, like rock music. Yeah. A bit of grunge in there. But then I wrote one song that like definitely sounds it it's either people are like oh this sounds like amrap or they think oh this is like discord like discord records stuff mm-hmm. and so uh which i think is kind of a whole a lot of my stuff non like super aggressive has fallen into uh so yeah i don't know i just like rock music i guess like noisy weird rock Nice. Well, it was a couple years ago, but um, I had Seattle's New Gods. I don't think you came up to Loud and Local. I didn't come up. No, I was excited to come up, but I, we had just got home, I think, from an East Coast tour, and I was hanging out with my girlfriend, and I was like, yeah, I'm a little tired. Fair enough. <laughs> I was going to stay home. Yeah, well, well. so I had uh, Seattle's New Gods in studio, so i got to ask. I haven't heard much from Seattle's New Gods. Are you guys officially done or just kind of on hold? Um. I wouldn't say it's officially done, but it's definitely not active. I mean, it's really difficult me living in L.A. and mm-hmm. I think that that's a band that's really dependent on me putting in a lot of effort to keep the, the train moving. And uh, I think that it's just been proven that there's not really a way for me to to keep multiple projects on the road. So I'm just like, yeah. all right, I'm just, I'm just doing this. And if there's a time when when we can i would love to play more music with them but it's it seems uh increasingly unlikely okay well uh hopefully we'll get something but you know obviously you know your focus is regional justice center this new project and then we'll, we'll definitely be talking about regional justice and talking about your video uh your video work and and whatnot but i wanted to ask you so you're originally from the enumclaw buckley area yes enumclaw what is the most popular band ever from Enumclaw? Because I'm going to say Ruckus. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Ruckus, I, so Ruckus was before my time. Okay. You know, I moved to Enumclaw when I was, uh, I forget what year it was, but it was right before the Enumclaw horse sex incident. Uh-oh. Um, but, yeah, but, I don't know. For me, like, I, I remember when I was coming up Pistol for a Paycheck. Yeah, shout out to Rev. Uh, was 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 the band like I went to a, I, I was still in middle school and I went to a show at the high school. Okay, Paycheck was the band that like would actually go play Tacoma and Seattle and like all that. I don't know what Ruckus is. Uh, uh, what they're. I mean, I saw them at Club Impact a couple times. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Club <laughs> Impact. Uh, what about the Americamis though? The Americamis, I remember the man. So I used to play in a band called Bully, and we played oh, yeah. with the Americamis quite a bit. Well, okay, so let's talk a little bit about this, man. You're you're growing up in in Enumclaw, not necessarily known for its like crack and punk scene or, or like you know in, insane nightlife. How do you get into the world of? I mean, your music. This isn't you know you're not playing pop punk. This is pretty extreme power violence. If if you're just listening to this and you've never heard Regional Justice Center, put. Press pause, find their band camp, find Spotify, listen to this, because it's pretty intense. Uh, how do you go from being an Enumclaw, 
Uh, and I'm, I'm assuming it's kind of like you have like a gateway drug and, and you just get a little bit more extreme extreme. But what was the first step into it? So when I was so originally I was from Concord, California. OK. And uh, and, and that's kind of where I got like my basis for punk was I had like a neighbor who was really into Ted Kennedy's and, and oh, nice. the casualties and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And uh, and then just serendipitously, like my mom had one of her friends over and her like a CD booklet filled with punk CDs that had the addicts and like all these CDs. And he actually left it at the house. And so oh, cool. I was just given this CD booklet of punk music. Oh, that's perfect. And then um, then we moved the CDs, uh, moved up to Enumclaw. And so I was just like, I was basically street punk, but then that type of thing of like straddling, like still loving like Alkaline Trio mm-hmm. and Green Day, which I still do yeah. love those bands. But obviously there's a point where you shed them off, where you're a little bit more embarrassed of them. <laughs> um, but then I made with these kids from Puyallup and Bonnie Lake, mm-hmm. and they were into Gigi Allen, and they were into Charles Bronson and, and all this. And I kind of had this uh, through just, googling like i got into like crust punk and a little bit of grind and stuff and so i like i loved the extreme element of and then once i heard charles bronson i was like whoa like this is this is the music for me like i have a short as hell attention span and i um it just does everything that i want to do so back, uh, so you said that, so the CDs, uh, the CD booklet was, was step one, and then you move and meet all these people that are into like crustier stuff or like more gnarly stuff, and then you go a little bit step further. You said you're Googling stuff, but was this, uh, were you ordering stuff? Were you, uh, like no, doing rapid Lime share, LimeWire? Lime okay. Re- it was really interesting because it was LimeWire days, and it was before I got Soulseek, and I just uh, so you, and as you know, like you get a lot of stuff that you're isn't actually what it says it is. Oh yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. you know, I was listening to like early Magruder Grind and, and Spaz and stuff, and I, but then there was like when I would go back as I go back now, I try to find these songs, and I'm like that clearly was not Spaz, and that clearly was not these other bands. I think that it was, um, but yeah, basically I just used all of that to get. I used LimeWire to find a lot of the crust stuff, and then I would just burn CDs. And then basically they'd be mixes because I'd never had full albums. Yeah, me too, yeah. It was like laid out, you know, version of of whatever I downloaded of a band and I put it on a CD. I still have some of my original mixes in the small binder. Like, they're probably so cringy, but, like, they're called, like, Kevin's Punk Mix 1 and Kevin's Punk Mix 2. And I'm like, man, I got to keep these. It's probably got some lame. Or, like you said, stuff that, uh, you know, it'll be, like, MXPX cover, but it's actually, like, Goldfinger. You're like, what? Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. I mean, I remember there's still, to this day, I don't know who did it, but I had it. It was listed as Real Big Fish covering um, video killed the radio star i think it was president's united states what it actually was how was that was it president's united states oh it just broke up a little oh, bit sorry. sorry was that president's of the united states of america doing it actually oh that might be that might be if they had a good yeah, if they had a good version i imagine that was actually it okay but i loved that version of that song and i had it on my little i don't even remember what type of mp3 player it was it was a terrible one but uh yeah i just all of these mislabeled things I love. MP3 player like fits 10 songs. You're like, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was like a 20-song 20, 20 one, and I would load up it every day before school with, like, different songs. See, you're 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 gaming it though because like you're gaming the system because your songs are like a portion of the length, so you can really fit like a hundred power violence songs yeah, on it. Yeah, you had a power <laughs> violence uh, one back then, then you would have been really in the money. Uh, so I got to ask because this happened to me. Um, there were bands that like I love now, but when I first like downloaded them on on uh, like Napster or or like LimeWire, I hated like Youth of Today. I first time I heard it, I was like, oh my god, this is ass. I love Youth of Today now. <laughs> was there anything like that was just too early for you where you're like, nah, man? And then you come back to it now and you're like, dude, I love this. Well, I had this weird, I don't know where it came from. I think I just was very West Coast centric okay. growing up that um, I hated things from New York. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I felt this, this like this allegiance yeah. to the West Coast, but I was like, New York hardcore, <laughs> like, <laughs> like growing up. I don't know why I thought that. Yeah, or it was like New York punk because it, it was pre like me being into hardcore, hardcore yeah. proper. Yeah. Um, and so I just hate it. Well, and I thought of things like, like Murphy's Law, which is something I still don't like. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that, like, kind of, like, bandana, dad vibe, like, hardcore yeah. that, like, runs parallel to punk. Like, but no, I, I, that was the one thing that I was, like, for some reason adverse to. But then I remember being like, well, I like Gorilla Biscuits. They're from New York. What do I do? Uh -oh. You know, like, uh -oh. <laughs> felt a moral conundrum about it. Uh, so what, um... Did you for did you uh what was your gateway to playing an instrument like what got you um you know off your couch and and wanting to to learn an instrument? I just always wanted to 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 play instruments. Really, I mean, I always grew up like getting DVDs. I got a Blink One Eighty Two DVD mm -hmm. that was like them on tour. So from like age like from fourth grade on, I was aware of what touring was, and I was like, oh, I'm and um, when I was in fifth grade, I got a bass. And that was when I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be a rock star or something. Do you remember your first show? Uh, the first show I attended. Yeah. Was, no, I mean your uh, first show you played. I played the talent show in sixth grade. Uh -oh. I did a green day cover and, and like a very street punk original song in sixth grade. Nice. What about like your first actual like gig? Like, uh, did you play in Enumclaw or did you go play a gig in Tacoma or what about that with your own first yeah. actual show? Didn't yeah, I played in a band that that was like a street punk band in high school, but we we played like a house party in Bonnie Lake and a house party in Enumclaw, but like never like a show show. I think honestly, uh, I played in a band called Bully, and we went to to play in portland for our first show yeah. with a band called all teeth that is now members the people from all teeth went on to do uh, culture abuse yeah that's that's pretty huge i remember seeing all teeth play like um it was like a post Rainfest little thing like an impromptu show at the pizza spot uh the what was that spot called the uh, sizzle pie well, it was, wasn't it at podog yeah it was podog sorry it was like right next to where sizzle pie was um gonna be but yeah it was podog and it was uh all teeth and uh someone else but yeah it was really cool zombie. yeah that's right saber two zombie um so dude like that's pretty huge going to portland for like your first hardcore you know showing your band um you oh, got i mean what's funny is one of those things where like it just is because nobody would have booked us in, <laughs> in seattle you know like i don't think that I I don't think I had a band that played Seattle because there was a when I was coming up there was such a 
a period where kind of it, not many like people played Tacoma, like smaller bands played Tacoma. Like nobody ever asked us to play Seattle, and like there's never an in to go play Seattle. So we played Tacoma, Olympia, like Puyallup, all these places. If you were to um, think about that, do you think it's because you guys were young? You didn't have any connections. Was there an elitist vibe? What was uh What was the disconnect? Well, we were young and bad, so <laughs> that was that was that was one of the things that really prevented us. But also, I mean, you remember this at the time. We're, we're talking like two thousand six, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. The the vibe was very much elitist, very much put people down for sucking, which I believe is a good thing because I was told that I made. So I, um, so I made better stuff, you know. It was definitely uh, a less uh, like uh, all inclusive vibe than it is now. Yeah, definitely. Which I think gatekeeping for the people that um, that that feel the need to be behind the gate it motivates, you know. So I think that in the end, I I, I ended up writing better music because I was told that the music that I made sucked versus <laughs> being told it was good. Well, looking back, do you, do you agree? Do you think the bully stuff sucks, or do you ha- does it bring a smile to your face? Uh, definitely early stuff. I think there's a lot of earnestness in the lyrics that I um, I can't get behind now. Just which I think is also speaks to the fact that I think I was actually making art in that moment. Okay, is that it makes me cringe now <laughs> because I was saying something so so true to who I was at that point. You're like, damn it, it's too you true. <laughs> like I should have held back a little bit. Exactly, exactly. Well, and that's the thing is if you're really laying yourself bare and you keep growing, then when you look back at the bare version of you, you know, years ago, you're like, oh, why was I like that? Dude. Yeah. Like I remember, what was it? In like junior high, I tried to, I got like into slam poetry, tried to write like, oh, oh like, wow. uh, dude, I didn't perform it or anything, but I would watch it and try to like write it, you know? <laughs> Right. No. I wish there was a video of that. Uh, yeah, me too. There, no, there's just video of me doing backyard wrestling, which is is also cringy, but you know, a little bit. Yeah, I got into backyard wrestling at one point too, but I uh, that was a very short lived phase. I think that's because I think the backyard wrestling video game came out. Yeah. And then I got really into that, and then quickly, I think it was over. So you bringing up wrestling is something that I need to ask you about because there's a specific photo you posted of uh, you as a child, and you have wrestling action figures. It's like a it's like a posed photo, like it's like a Sears family portrait, but you have like yeah, a British it's, bulldog. It's like cool photo. Yeah, you have like a British bulldog action figure in your hand. Uh, first off, how did they let you have that in the picture? And like, are those things that you held all the time? Did you have to have those in photos? Um, I remember being obsessed with them. It's really funny because I can't remember much of the trivia anymore about like who the characters are. I mean, I remember yeah. I was looking at the picture and I was like, oh, I can see, I can see X, Y, and Z. But I was like, it, it didn't stick with me. I was like, I mean, that that photo was kindergarten, so it's um, classic. I was I was just obsessed with it, and uh, yeah. So I guess what the deal was was that I um, I took a normal photo and I was like, okay, I have this idea for this second photo. So you need to help me do this. And so I made them pose. And I had uh, my mom told me the story recently where I was like, I wanted them to be specific places. It's like one's perched on my shoulder. And, you know, like I, um, I don't know. I just was, I wanted people to know I was into wrestling, I guess. Would you be surprised if I told you that there's like men that are like 45 years old that probably take the same exact photo for Instagram? 
I mean, I'm not surprised at all. I'm very aware of the wrestling culture now, even though I'm not like, tuned into it. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. There's people that do Instagrams of like uh like um stop motion wrestling action figure like photos and stuff and it's gotten really intense with the uh quarantine now. People have way more time on their hands. A lot hands, of free so. time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah, let's uh talk a little bit about um Regional Justice Center. So, um you guys uh are kind of a touring machine. Uh how much touring did you guys do in 2019 and, and what's uh what's some of the coolest places that you got to uh, play and and see? Uh, so we've done, it's actually interesting since the, we the been there in 2017 and 2017 was our slowest year, but even then we still probably did like 50 days on tour that year, mm-hmm. but it's the 2018 and 2019, we each did like these shows. Um, wait, what was that which, number like, again? For a non-full-time band, I think it's like kind of crazy. What was that number again? Uh, we did like eight, between 80 and 90 shows. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, shoot. I mean, we got to go to Japan. Uh, That's amazing, that was, yeah. that was a huge deal, uh, for all of us. I mean, getting to like, like be invited to like across the world and mm-hmm. go play four shows. Crazy. And I mean, culturally, like, like music wise, Japan was so interesting because all the venues were like really small, but mm-hmm. had a sound. And like, we played in this room that was, we're 360 degrees surrounded by people like we played in almost the middle of the room and that was like one of the coolest shows i've ever attended or played um we did get to go to europe the, the year before and that was like a really cool experience like going to vienna like so many beautiful cities are that all the shows for the most part not amazing mm-hmm. but um but i mean getting just getting to go is is, is a crazy experience U.S. like we always have an amazing time in Denver. Okay, Denver is like one of the cream of the crop places for hardcore currently. So, uh, are you the person who's in charge of setting up your your uh, booking and and getting uh, your travel taken care of and stuff, or do you guys have an agent, or how does that work? Yeah, I, I do all the booking. I mean, there's sometimes when we like hop our on and on and off like a package thing, mm-hmm. where obviously I, I won't do the booking, but. Uh, for the most part, it's, it's all me, which I would love to hand over, um, if the right person came along, but it, in this world, like if you're doing headlining shows and stuff for a band our size, it doesn't really make sense to have someone else booking, booking it. You just like, I feel like DIY is the ultimate route. Like the promoters care more. I'm also very neurotic about bugging people and making sure that things are getting worked on. And I don't know that I trust just anyone to be doing that so uh for now yeah it's just me you bring up a good uh uh, a good point there you said like it it just doesn't make sense to have someone booking it for you and stuff and that's a question i have is um just like looking in uh you know if if you can do it yourself maybe do it yourself but like at what point in in your opinion at what point uh does it make sense for a band to you know hire a manager hire a booking person uh to handle it for them is there is there like a a plateau you reach when you just you can just give it to someone else and it makes sense or or is it kind of just like ba- uh you know uh band by band I think it's band by band I mean cuz I mean it also depends on what your goals are so for us, like, if I can get the booking agent and they're putting us out uh, with bands that we need to be playing with, 
that we're not getting the opportunities to like buy ourselves because we're not like being submitted for those tours. Yeah. And that makes sense. But, and that's something that going forward, I'm really trying to do because I don't want to just be playing to our audience per se. I want to play to other people's fans and, and reach new people versus just doing the same thing over and over and over again. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, that's one of the difficulties is you just don't hire just a manager and a booking agent. What you have to do is you generally have to be approached by somebody. Yeah. Cause it's not like the type of thing where like people are like, Oh, booking agent services. $15 an hour, you know, it's yeah. like, you've got to have someone that's invested in your band and like gets it and knows where you are trying to go. Well, uh, you know, I, I would, uh, I, I'm not a musician myself, so I'm just curious. I don't really have any insight on that. I was generally just, you know, interested. So I, I'm, I appreciate you, you giving uh, some input there. And, um, I, I wanted to ask you about, uh, so Regional Justice Center, you guys uh, are a very, very uh, gnarly sounding band, but you guys also have a pretty uh, in-depth and and well thought out like message, and there's definitely like a, a theme throughout, at least uh, from what I understand, uh, and that's about the justice system. Is, is that correct? Well, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people give us the rap of, um, that's the anti-cop band, that's the like... Um, they talk about prison reform, which like I don't necessarily talk about. So the band started from uh, my brother, my little brother, also from Enumclaw, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, he got incarcerated in 2000, uh, summer of 2016. Okay. And I kind of started conceiving of everything as I was going to visit him at the um, – the Kent Regional Justice Center. Oh yeah. And the, you know, first the the idea was just like, oh, Regional Justice Center. That sounds like a crazy name for a hardcore band. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it turned into kind of this larger thing where I have his involvement in it, and I've just used a lot of my space and platform uh, to talk about some of the stuff that I've seen. Versus, it's not so much actually in the lyrics uh, or like um, a lot of the you know it's just like mm-hmm. i've used the time to talk about things like securest technologies which is the people that run the prison phones yeah. and just different things that i've seen and experienced and so now it's like given us this reputation as the prison reform band <laughs> prison reform core yeah exactly <laughs> um well i'm glad you kind of uh brought uh cleared that up at least but um you know definitely uh Something that, uh, you know, even, even some of the, the t-shirts you guys had, like, uh, I remember there's a long sleeve that Ryan the Beard had, and I was like, oh yeah, that, that would make sense with that. But, you know, um, the band, what, what was it? I mean, the, I mean, it is a visually unifying theme. I think the, you know, like we've had like a, like a judge at a sentencing type thing, and then a lot of it has had like, cops or criminals you know it's just like various various uh things within that realm because it's ended up being somewhat of our unifying thing for for the entire project so uh do you um so you say like the kind of a unifying theme and uh and you say like and there's kind of like uh an aesthetic to some bands that you know, not necessarily your band, but I'm just, uh, just some bands come out and they say like, this is the way we're going to do it aesthetic wise. And like, this is what we're going to be about. Is that a conversation that you have with a band? If you want to, uh, if you want that to be the vibe or do you, do you just kind of, does it just kind of flow or is there something that you set in stone? Like we want this to, 
represent us? Does that question make well, sense? It, it kind of developed over time. I mean, it just ended up being the only thing that really made sense. I mean, the name is so ridiculous. It's like <laughs> two, ex- two extremely benign words. Like, if you think about it, like regional and center are like not interesting words at all. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that makes the name interesting is justice. justice so it's yeah. like, um, and with that, you know, it just was like, and a lot of the times I've commissioned things based around things that are happening currently and so like when we did the shirt that with the a judge sentencing somebody i mean that we made that like right when my my after my brother got sentenced to oh, prison wow. yeah and so it just like kind of like the inspiration ebbs and flows with the real life occurrences essentially or mm-hmm. sometimes i'm focusing on different themes or or um just kind of whatever rises at the top and then sometimes it's just like literally whatever an artist is coming up with but generally it's kind of all been focused around that because that's what we've done and it definitely is in the process of like trying to reinvent anything necessarily just trying to keep the same themes fresh or um barely changing them you know Mm -hmm. and uh and and you said that so uh you wrote your own new project and and uh i can get the vibe that you are very you know proactive with creating things yourself uh as far as regional justice center is that something that you're like the main songwriter or is it a collaborative thing uh yeah i mean i've written so it's actually interesting i've written everything up until the current record we're working on Mm -hmm. and uh two other members like wrote a song each for it uh, but for the most part, yeah, it's it's all my song. I use our guitar player Alex. Um, he's like my main partner in the band, and and I use him as like a sounding board a lot of times. So I'll be like, I got this idea, or I got this riff, or I got this. You know, I send him all my demos and like get, gauge his reaction of if I need to keep working on something or or what it is. But for the most part, it's all just my songwriting with them, the input of like, yeah, not quite there. Or I think you should do this after that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's always interesting for me to hear, uh, like different. Cause like sometimes, um, you know, like I talked to Steve Austin from today's the day and, and that's like his band, you know, like that's his, his, uh, his baby. And so like, it's always interesting to, to see the different dynamics of songwriting and stuff. And, um, so, so with Regional Justice Center and uh, all the bands that you have going on and, you know, all the bands that you have in the past and, and also your you know, kind of blossoming video uh, production career uh, and, and uh, a lot of things you have going on, uh, what keeps you interested in writing abrasive, gnarly, hardcore, you know, punk and, and like metal-leaning, like, noise music? Like, what keeps you interested in writing gnarly and uh and not just focusing on, uh, you know, some other things or w- there's got to be something that that uh, keeps you, your love alive of that. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because uh, I've been I've been hounded by some other people in the video world of like, why are you doing this? Like you could be making money. Yeah, like, that, actual money. Like, that's like a theme in your podcast is is there like, damn it. <laughs> but I yeah, still love this. Yeah, it's just like uh, I don't it's I'm just helplessly drawn to it. I mean, like. Uh, sometimes I have to fight myself to not like tweet out like I love blast beats because I just literally think some thing that I love. I don't know. I love abrasiveness. And the more that I work on these like pop projects and things like I was, I was interning for a director and, and we worked on like some stuff for like, and like all these like big pop things. And, and I was like, 
when I was leaving there, I was turning on the most gnarly music I can because I'm sick of hearing pop music. Yeah. And I feel like, uh, I don't know, just, uh, I love abrasiveness. I, I, I love gnarliness. And it's to me, it, it works the same, I think, as it does pop music in other people's heads. Nice. Well, you're certainly uh, getting into that world of, of you know, like the cross cro- uh, the cross section of like pop and and and, uh, you know, getting into that. But you're also doing a lot of like I saw you did a gate creeper video and those guys are huge. And I mean, that's certainly popular, but not pop. Um, how did you uh, get into, you know, make I, I know that you some of the early stuff uh, was just kind of like on your own. Right. It was just like DIY projects of 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 doing music videos. How did you get into yeah, like yeah, a lot of just, just doing it one for... man crew music videos? Um, and then eventually, you know, I got two man crew, but it, it, it was just literally, I mean, I started with making a music video for my own band, uh, which is like generally if, if someone I know is in it and like, is like, Oh, I want to make music. You have a band. It's yeah. like you, you'll have somebody to watch that music video, which at the time, like, the band that I released a music video for was Seattle's New Gods at the very beginning, and mm-hmm. there was no audience to watch the music video. Yeah, but um, but it gives you the the ability to work on the skills, and so over time, you know, you just keep doing that, and then hopefully, I eventually I just started cold emailing people. Um, Angel Dust being the biggest one that I've worked with that is like worked into like a continuing um, creative relationship. And that all started from me cold emailing uh, the singer Justice Trip and being like, hey, I'm a big fan. Like, I made this music video for this band called Gag. Like, you should – I know you've seen it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I would just be like they, – they posted it. So I was like, I'm going to email them. And uh, basically through all that, just uh, ended up working with slightly, slightly bigger people consistently. And uh, now these days, are is it something that you seek out, or do people seek you out? Uh, no, actually, I haven't sent a cold email in some time. That's great. But I, uh, I should, I should, because the thing is, like, kind of where I'm at now is I'm, I'm very much in the pop punk realm. Mm-hmm. I did that Gate Creeper video recently, but um, and I don't really want to be doing aggressive music either. I really want to be doing pop music or like hip hop, like things that lend themselves better to visuals. I don't find that like the visual palette you can have for like abrasive music isn't very wide yeah. um, without it no longer fitting. So I really don't have much desire to work in that realm. Unless you're like Acacia but, uh, Strain and you just do something so stupid and wacky. Like <laughs> they just do things like, like, oh, hey, let's wear bunny costumes. It's like, okay, but not every band is like that. Yeah, and I don't know that bunny. I mean, I did. There was one video I did with a bunny costume, but that was <laughs> okay. I, that was the idea. I just achieved it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's it, the world that I want to. And also, there's not a ton of big budgets in like aggressive music. Anyway. Oh, for sure. Yep. Um, and that's why I'm getting better budgets in this pop punk realm. But at the same time, like I don't really like the music as much, so I really want to be segueing somewhere else. Okay. But um. And that's also going to be a process. I mean, currently, production is illegal because it requires too many people. So, therefore, you know, maybe on the other side of this, I'll reshape my career. Who knows? Well, okay. So, uh, are there any tropes in music videos that you just, like, cringe when you hear people, like, want to wanna do? Or, like, you just think about, like, is there any tropes? You're just like, I don't want to do that, but... Okay. Well, at this point, um, anytime someone says, I want to go into the desert, I say, no. <laughs> uh, 
that's been the thing. I did I did two desert music videos basically in a row, and yeah. I wanted to die because they're so hard to make, and they're to, going to the desert sucks. And wow. it's not like we have trailers and things you can sit in an AC room. It's just like you're just miserable in the heat. Um, that one sucks. The people's music videos I really hate um, when someone wakes up. The waking up at the beginning of a music video. Um, there's all sorts of things that bother me. Yeah. And I won't get into go, go into all of them. But definitely waking up in a music video bothers me. And then I, I just refuse to go into it. Uh, well, what are some uh, – so when people are done with this video or, or, or interview and or if they just want to pause it uh, and, and check out some stuff, what are a couple music videos of yours that you're proud of? That you would like, you would actually like. I would say enjoy the most proud and, and the most like I feel like represents the style that I, I really want to be doing more of is Angel Dust's "Want It All" music video. Okay, that's one of the desert videos that um, that I'm which I refer. <laughs> I wanted to kill myself while we we're making that. Um, and then shoot, uh. That one I'm really proud of. I'm really proud of this. I did this music video with uh, Super Crush oh, yeah. um, for a song called I've Been Around. Mm-hmm. And we did a shot-for-shot shot remake of uh, the intro to the skate video Goldfish. And oh, yeah. I sent it to Girl Skateboards, and then I actually got an email back uh, with a quote from Spike Jones saying how much you like And that was one of my Wow. Yeah. So you know Spike Jones watched it and he loved it. That's really dope, yeah. dude. Holy that was that was a that was a big one for me. So um those two I would say I mean I have a website, it's Ian Shelton. You can see all the stuff that I'm not totally ashamed of. Yeah. So Okay, rad. Um well just a couple more questions here. I'm not gonna keep you all day, but um if you could pick four albums that made an impact on your life. Just to put you on the spot, what are four albums that made a, a positive impact on your life? Four. Yeah, that's that's a big one. Um, okay, so I guess in I so I didn't get into the Beatles until I was like twenty four or something like okay. that. Yeah. Um, but Abbey Road, I find to be like one of my like biggest influences. Awesome. Uh, currently, and when we were talking about like what draws me to aggressive music, one of the things now is that like. I take from the Beatles all the time and I make it and I put it into RJC. Oh, wow. And no, okay. it's untraceable. Like, I don't try to make a hardcore record inspired by their hardcore records. I'm trying to, like, take these elements from, like, classic rock or hip hop, even, or, like, all these different areas and put that all into a Blast Beat record, essentially. Oh, cool. Um, so I would say that one. Um, another current one, which, like, speaks to, like, the like proliferation that I really enjoy is like, I would put, um, got it by voices, alien lanes. Okay. Um, is that, is that a good one to start with? Cause I, I, I always hear people talk about got it by voices and I've never done the dive. Is that a good alien one to start lanes with? Alien lanes and B1000 are, are the two that everyone starts with. Okay. Uh, those are like the two like designated entry points for that band. Um, there's better records out there, but those are the ones that like, prime you for the rest of the discography cool which is huge um i would say charles bronson's youth attack because nice. that was the literally uh, sent me to his myspace like, go listen to my myspace profile song right now yeah and he had created like a myspace page for charles and then he put um the song marriage can suck it <laughs> as his 
as his profile song and i was like i went there and i was like holy like this is this is amazing that's the whole song i i can trace that moment that's cool being like you know that was my love for power rounds like starting so that made a huge impact on me nice I'm trying to think of another one that, that got me like so young that I just was obsessed with because God of My Voices and the Beatles are both things I got into in my 20s. Yeah. Um, well, let's think. Charles Bronson. Let, let's think here. Uh, something, something that was in that original CD uh, binder. What was what was your favorite that was in that CD binder? Oh, definitely The Addicts. Nice. Um, okay. The Addicts was huge for me. It's still something that I, I, is like – in like constant rotation, honestly, just, and, and I don't even know. I mean, like, I think there's some things like, um, there's that song, uh, easy way out mm-hmm. and the way that the harmonic, like the natural harmonic in it, it's so abrasive. Like that song has such melody, but also it's like heavy and it's, um, it's also about taking the easy way out. Uh, and so I, I think the, yeah, the addicts, like hands down, like one of my favorite punk bands of all time. Awesome, man. Uh, that's a good uh, Beatles, Guided by Voices, Charles Bronson, and The Addicts. Wow. Okay. I like <laughs> yeah. it. Um, all right, Ian, uh, one more question, and then I'll let you go. Uh, pick a scar on your body and tell us the story of how you got it. Uh, okay. I mean, <laughs> uh, so I haven't, I didn't even think anybody really about this when it was happening, but I, I, I have what looks to be like a bullet wound in my back currently. Because oh, my God. I um, actually, while we we're on the Gatekeeper video, they had their one of their friends had had passed away from uh-huh. cancer, wow. and my my mom had melanoma, mm-hmm. and so I was like, I got this weird thing on my back. I should go get it checked out. And like the music, like making that music video, um, like hands down was like, I'm gonna go to the doctor. I'm gonna I'll do it. And it, there was like something. It wasn't like melanoma, but they're like, it's gonna be eventually. Okay. And so it's they, like precancerous. Um, is a yeah, precancerous, and they they dug out a hole in my back. Like while I was awake, oh it sounded like God. the dude was like cutting paper. Like I could hear it, Ugh. and it's like, and he like he's like, do you want to see it? And it like shows me a chunk out of my back where I could see like layers of fat, layers of skin. Like is the grossest thing. But uh, yeah, they stitched me up, and now it looks like I have a bullet wound in my back. Jesus Christ! Well, I'm glad you got that Other checked out, that, dude. Have any other like interesting scar? I don't think. Wow. All right. Uh, dude, uh, is there anything uh, you want to say to the Northwest uh, while you're while you're uh, on the line here to, to Metal Shop or to anyone here in the Northwest or or just anything? Believe the Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, no. So so I do want to say this about the Northwest. I, I love it like more than anywhere, really. Um, but I, I found that like specifically being from the world that you and I are from of, mm-hmm. of hardcore and kind of going to the same party all the time yeah. essentially uh i found that when i left like this the when i when the social like tie not the social ties they weren't broken but you know like when i wasn't like immediately surrounded by the same people all the time like my i found that my brain expanded okay and that like my artistic process changed because i was no longer viewing those people as my audience yeah and uh so literally, I mean, I would say, like, if you're living in the Northwest, like, you live in a pocket, like, you probably are surrounded by the people you do or don't like all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, go somewhere else for a bit. And, yeah, and, see uh, the world. Ex- experience something else. Not right now, though, because we're on a travel restriction, but, you know. Immediate- yeah, or do it be this 
flights are damn cheap. That's a good point. It's like disaster tourism, dude. That's insane. Um, all right, man. Well, what's uh? I mean, well, let's just let's just say we don't know. There's no time frame on this, right? But like, if 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 things were to get back to normal or quote unquote the new normal, uh, what 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 do you hope to achieve in 2020 with with your band and and everything else? Uh, so I mean, RKC has been we had to cancel one tour, but uh, we have two different seven inches coming out in the next couple months, nice. and then uh, an LP in the fall. So I, I guess I'm going to record that next week. So yeah. uh, hopefully, my 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 biggest hope is that we're not screwed over for our fall tours, yeah. and that we can like release the record without there being any problems. Um, and other than that, yeah, I'm just hoping to keep making not not hopefully get stuffed up anymore right on man well i appreciate you taking the time to have the conversation uh good luck on on the record next week i know you don't need it but you know have fun and uh you know stay safe and stay sane dude yeah thank you for having me yep take it easy ian this has been metal shops backstage pass this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.